Let's get ready to rumble. Yes, we're back. It is episode 63 of the Hibs Ramble. It's Liam, your host this evening, and I'm joined by Craig and Corrigan. How on earth are we, lads? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, mate. It's a shame um, Mark couldn't make it this evening. I did warn him that he was now going to get through five reruns of the King's Coronation and three Tina Turner concerts before the night was out. So, unfortunately, he can't be with us this evening, but hopefully he enjoys himself. Yeah, I've um, been a strange one for me. I've been uh, suspended for presenting duties for a week. Yeah, you have. You have been suspended. To be fair, you you jumped in last minute, Craig. So it's it's fine. We've just had a little bit of a rotation this week. Craig said that he wasn't going to do it, and then he was doing it. He was like the head ramble hokey cokey this yep. evening. He was in, he was out, and uh, he's here. And we're glad that you're here, Craig. We really are. And how are you? I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. How was the weekend, lads? Mine was, was alright. Mine was good. There wasn't as much toe tapping as I was hoping, but um, yeah, no, it was alright. Yeah, better than you. Better than yours. Sorry, the monument's Oh, mate. Well, will we just jump right into the football? Aye. Please. Right into the football. We were at Ibrox on Saturday, lads. Um, looking at the lineup, there was a couple of changes from the team that started at Tynecastle. Um, Hanlon was in for Rocky and Adam LaFondra was in for Dodge. I think when we spoke on the podcast um, last week, we said that we would probably make those changes. Were you chuffed with the lineup when it came out, Craig? I think so. There wasn't really much much to change, is there? I think a lot of folk would have probably taken Hanlon over Rocky for his experience. Um, and also, it's pretty much just a rotation now between Dodge and Lafondre to who plays up front with Venti. Um But no, I don't think we could add could add many complaints. I think it was pretty clear that Montgomery was going to stick to his tried and trusted four four two. And really, at the minute, that only really leaves what well two posi- well maybe three position up for grabs with left back, centre back, and whoever plays up front. So no, I don't think there was any surprises. I think the team looked as strong as it could have been. Sean, we spoke about Jago last week and how he would probably be, you know, a starter given the opposition that we were playing at the weekend. Did you think that there would be any other changes apart from um, Rocky out and Dodge out? Did you think that Jago would start or did you think, did you think that he would have given Dylan Levitt a chance? I expected Levitt to get minutes, but I didn't expect him to start. Um, the team selection that Monty chose, I was very, very happy with. And I feel like pretty much everything that I've seen online at the weekend was was given Monty's dues for, you know, clearly going for it or at least sticking to his tried and, tried and, trust, uh, tried and tested um, system and the way that he looks to play. So I felt like when I did see the lineup. It was always going to go one or two ways for me. And I was really, really excited about the fact that I do feel like Newland and Jago give that balance together as a two. But then on the flip side, I was concerned about getting overrun with the way that Rangers play and that they've got that extra man. But then at the same time, if we could get in behind their fullbacks with the threat that we've got going forward, I, I feel like we would have 
stood a real good chance in the match, but unfortunately the game plan just didn't pan out the way that we thought, didn't really get started. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's an issue with the team selection. I think that's just maybe Nick Montgomery needing to tweak a few things within his you know, personal duties for man-on-man -on, -man on the pitch more than anything else, rather than changing shape or anything. Do you think our tried and chested 4-4-2 um, approach works all the time? It seems as if, you know, I think in the past we've seen Hibs managers go to Ibrox and go to Parkhead, places like that, and kind of, like you said, change the formation a little bit so we don't get over on the midfield. Do you think that maybe we should have a backup plan like for for these types of games? Or, you know, is a 4 4 2 Jenk it will do for these games, Craig? It's difficult. I mean, I'm not a tactical expert like some folk have tried to be on Twitter and the forums and that over the weekend trying to dissect in minute detail. I think in games like Saturday and games like this upcoming Saturday, you need to acknowledge that regardless of what system you play, you're playing against players that cost millions. Mm -hmm. Our players cost hundreds of thousands or some of them even free. So system-wise, I do think it's maybe, I don't want to say naive, but I think every manager in the world has, an, maybe not necessarily a plan B, but an alternative when you're, specific formation style and whatnot isn't working um, and it's I think it'll see us fine eventually but it's getting the players to fit the system completely like for example as good as Boyle and Yuan are they're not great defensively which can leave fullbacks exposed Jago's not great you're almost wanting your your so in midfield two, for me in a 4-4-2, you'd be wanting two identical John McGinn's. Almost guys that can do it going back the way and going forward. Um, but no, I think the system will see us right in time. But I do think there does need to be maybe something, like I said, not an alternative. Eh, sorry, not a plan B, but definitely an alternative where you can tweak it slightly depending on the level of opposition. Or not even level of opposition, just how it's going in game. Because... Mm -hmm. As we've seen at times, it's not worked as great for spells, but then in spells it has worked really great. So I just think yeah. maybe, maybe a slight tweak, what that tweak could be, I'm, obviously I'm not 100% sure, but there is there is definitely room for it, I think. I do think it doesn't also help that a lot of the players were off the boil or maybe not doing their individual duties at the weekend, I think that played a massive part in the outcome of the fixture and the way that we implemented or didn't implement our strengths because it was clear very early on that I'm not, I don't want to say the players didn't trust that we could go to Ibrox and play that way and get something. I just feel like there was quite a few that just weren't up to their normal standard and weren't able to do what they were meant to do in their individual battles and their individual roles. And when you've got a couple off the boil, especially when you're playing one of the old firm, you're then needing more players to do their duties and others. And as soon as that start ha starts happening, you're asking for trouble um, and you're really, really struggling. No, like think... what you're saying, we need to play our skin and they need to have a stinker for you to get anything. 
especially yeah. away from home. I know that we've had a lot of success at Ibrox, you know, in the last, what, five, ten years, 15 years or so, but, you know, it, it doesn't come by not working hard and not banking on them having a, you know, having an off day. So that is, I mean, and they didn't really look like having an off day on Saturday. I thought we were all right. Um, up until the up until the first goal, I thought we were okay. Seemed to be holding our own a little bit. First goal comes initially from a Hibs free kick, Craig, and it's pinball in the box. Ball breaks to Seema, who we know has got tremendous pace, leaves Miller for dead, and it's a powerful finish beyond beyond David Marshall. Mm-hmm. How how do you stop goals like that happening? I don't know. I just felt defensively it was it seemed as if it was a bit of a shambles with I mean the fact that Miller's chasing them down in the left back slot kind of tells you where the defence was. Um like you say, you need when we go to places like <clears throat> Ibrox Parkhead, even Tincastle, you can't afford passengers. And regardless of what system we'd played on Saturday, like there was just too many I think you'd be toiling to name maybe two or three that would get pass marks. And that's symptomatic. And that comes for the back as well, like with Marshall. I don't know if it's Ash. Could he do better with that goal? I don't know. But he primarily was rank rotten on Saturday. And his games, you know, we've said, oh, he's been brilliant since uh, Montgomery's came in. But he's been... This, these are the games where you need to be standing up and counted. No home at Dundee, St Mirren, etc. No offence to them. I don't want us to get fucking hounded for them this week. <laughs> um, but in games like Saturday, you need him to be strong. And I mean, there were so many instances where he wasn't. I mean, pace, pace is the one thing that defenders hate in football anyway. So if Seema's, if Seema's running towards goal with the ball and someone else is trying to run towards goal without the ball, there's at times where you do run faster with the ball than when you don't, as, as daft as that might sound. And one-on-one, it's like if we had Boyle or Yuan in that situation, one-on-one a defender's not catching them. To be fair to the boys, taking it well, but nah, defensively, this is where I think the 4-4-2 does hinder us slightly and that it does leave so many gaps for players, maybe with pace, to get in behind and um, finish like they did. You need to you need was, to be really so defensively though. strong though. That's the thing. Sorry, Liam. When you're <laughs> when you're doing four four two and you're playing four four two, like you touched on earlier, Boyle and you and aren't necessarily the greatest defensively. I know Boyle's done jobs in the past at right wing back, but then you've you've got three defenders behind you. I think yeah. as a four four two, you need you need to be defensively defensively fantastic as a especially your fullbacks. Yeah. And I think obviously when when you're not, we get exposed like we were. Sorry, Liam. No, no, I think you're right. And something that I, I spoke about a few weeks ago was that, you know, Jordan Abita, I think he's a, a really good player, but maybe 4-4-2 isn't the, isn't the formation for him. I think it was when me and you were on, Sean, you know, primarily Jordan Abita is an attacking player. That's where he started his career. And as he's got older, he's fallen back towards left back from left wing. So, you know, first and foremost for him is probably attacking duties. Like, subconsciously but um no I, I think i think when you're playing a 442 you need four out and out defenders for sure i mean because then that then allows like you said uh, Ellie Yuan and martin boyle craig aren't great 
defensively, but if you've got two really strong fullbacks behind them, they can then have that little bit of leeway to not have to rely on, you know, they, they, the team doesn't need to rely on them getting back to stop goals going into our own net. So it's a difficult one, really. And it will just, it leads on to my point that I'm going to touch on later on about, you know, recruitment in January and trying to get players in that will suit Monty's system. So we can we can have a wee chat about that later. But the second goal is probably the one that we're probably going to have the longest chat about. Um, it's we, we failed to clear the ball. I think Jago and Newell both had chances to clear the ball. Um, and then there's a a really terrible foul on Joe Newell uh, that isn't given. Um, the ball finds Raskin and it's a it's a superb strike. But Sean, is, is Marshall going to do better? Yeah, I also actually don't think it's a foul on Newell if I'm being completely and utterly honest about it. But I've, I've watched it back a, f- a fair few times, obviously watching the game at the time and then a few um, highlights since. And I, I can't decide if I'm being incredibly harsh on Marshall to think that he takes forever to get down or if it's really right in the corner. I know he takes a little move to his left just as the ball's hit. I don't think his views blocked it terribly. Um, I feel like pretty much the whole time up until just after the shot, he has view of it. He knows what's happening. He, he can tell that the shot's going to be taken. But yeah, I do feel like he, Marshall should have got something on it. Anything. He just watching it back makes it look worse and worse and worse. Every mm-hmm. time I watch it, he gets slower. Yeah. Um. And it's yeah, it's not. Not pleasing to watch. No, it's it's it really isn't. But I mean, it, it goes down in installments. I'm just looking at it back here, trying to see if if it actually finds a corner properly. But I mean, I thought it was a foul on you initially. No, I don't not for me. It's maybe my green tinted specs. I think it is right in the corner, but it does it does go down in installments. It's I mean, it's I, a, but, he's, but Raskin's no like lined it up and fucking leathered it. Like it's almost he's almost side footed it. I also don't think Marshall's overly central either, which is why I feel like he's he's close enough to be able to get it and it's far enough out and it's not necessarily a thunderbolt. That's what Do I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's for me it's I think he gives up halfway through his dive. Because he doesn't even fully commit. I think it's the the, I, I, the way I see it, I actually think it's the opposite. I think he doesn't think he's going to reach it initially. And then he thinks, oh shit, I could have maybe got to that. And then by then it's already too late. But either either way, whether it's your version or my version, the outcome's still the same. And he still takes forever to get down. And then it comes down to his decision-making as an individual from a goalkeeping perspective, which ultimately needs to be better. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing with that is, obviously, big Theo Walcott on, on the bench now will be you know testing him and maybe pushing him a little bit more. So will we see him? Sooner rather than later, I don't know. I know he's a lot smaller than Marshall. I'm not sitting here saying he would have been able to save it, but considering we paid a fee for him in the summer, um, I do naturally think that if he's given a chance, he will be able to take it. I've not seen enough of him. don't know how good he is, but I'd like to see that he'll probably get a chance sooner rather than later. I, think I really think it. that's a foul on you, though. I've just, look, I've just looked at it back there and slowed the playback speed down. It looks like Neil gets a touch and then 
Lammers goes right through the back of him. What, what makes he, you think, think it's not foul? I think he commits something close to a foul initially when he gains possession, though. Again, is that, is that does it cancel it out then? Possibly. But I think the the, the issue for obviously for us is clear to see is defensively. Like I think somebody, um, Liam, you put it in the chat earlier. We've conceded forty-five shots in two games. Mm-hmm. Like that's what does that work out? Like a, a shot every what? Shot every two minutes. No, not shot, every shot four minutes. Shot every four minutes. Aye. And by the law of averages, they're going to end up going in. Like. What's that six in the last two games? Yep. And I mean, the, I mean, you look at the table. The table's no great reading. You look at the games recently. Um, can we were buzzing at the start of the season. I know Johnson plays a big, a big part in this as well. But we're what eleven games in, and have we got what two league wins, three league wins? Like it's. Yeah. I know Montgomery can only push with the cock he's got, and he is working with the exact same team that. Johnson did, but with Marshall being such a, but I mean, it's not just defensively or whatever. I mean, you look at the, I've just got the the sort of passes up right between. So between Fish and Marshall, they had one hundred and forty three touches between them. The next highest Hibs player, you go down to it is Jones. So they were on seventy two and seventy one touches each. Newell's next on fifty eight. Marshall and Fish, between them, over a hundred passes. Yeah, you add Hamlin into that mix. He's forty-three passes, and mm-hmm. it, so you go, you go into our pass map. It just it literally goes through the the back four, and then Joe Newell's in there, and then Yuan's next with nineteen. Nineteen I'm- passes. What I'm intrigued to see most is for me the the issue is for me is the way that we're starting to build up. This fish takes the goal kick, gives it to Marshall, gives it to Hanlon, gives it to Fish, gives it back to Marshall, gives it back to Fish, it goes to Miller, it goes to Fish, it goes to Hanlon, it goes to be it's just very, very we're giving It's like rehearsed, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah, but we're giving we're giving teams the chance to just sit. Like if we're playing the ball between our back four on the edge of within our box, that means that Boyle and Yuan have to be sitting at least thirty yards out from our goal. They're going to do nothing. From it seems yards. like a bit of a stupid comparison at this moment in time, right? Because I know that the, there's a massive golf in quality and quality of players and values of players, but that's exactly what Aston Villa did when they came east of the road. They sat with the ball and oftentimes it stopped with it. You know, at the halfway line and just waited for the chances to come out. <clears throat> I know that we can't, we probably can't do that. We've not got the players or the, the players don't have the capabilities to be able to play that way. But do you think that's the sort of style that Montgomery is, is, trying, to, is trying to implement? You know, I think throughout the years that we've seen all the different styles, your tiki taka, your gig impressing, and all the rest of it, is this just the, is this just a new trend that's going to happen in football it could be but then there's also like I think what Sean said as well about it's it's whether the players actually have the belief that they can play like that like is 
for me, I think Montgomery believes that no matter what team he picks, they could play to how he wants to play. But actually getting the players to believe that themselves is a whole different matter. Like, the amount of teams that we've went had gone to either Ibrox or Parkhead and got scudded from being defensive. Like, look at how defensive we played when we played Celtic at Parkhead and we got beat mm-hmm. 3-1. We got a penalty and that was it. Like, we barely crossed the halfway line and we still conceded three goals. So trying to drill it into players that they can be brave and get on the ball and make mistakes in a place like that is difficult. And I think that's where the the drop in, that's where the difference is. Like, when we need when we say we need to have a, a bang in, like, 10 out of 10 all across the park, then they need to have a slinker. It's not just the system Mentality style. Mentality, really. It's... It is, it's the mentality. And you could argue that their mentality and their ability, etc., is why they're at Hibs and they're not at a Celtic or a Rangers or a high-level championship club. So your mentality and your ability has got to be good to play for us, though. Yeah, I think well, it's touching on the their ability. Is, the phrase is, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But we didn't have the hard work on Saturday to even try and match up to the talent eye because let's not be honest let's be honest they weren't a great first half either no they weren't like, they weren't I mean the the first goal comes from a, a bit of a a lapse in the middle of the park and it's kind of bouncing around and Seema gets on the end of it and you know he's he's rapid so he fashions himself an opportunity and then the second goal is obviously just a it, it pops to Raskan and it, it is a great finish don't get me wrong it's a great finish but it's one of those half chances and, you know, probably 75, 80 times out of 100, he shanks it and it goes it goes wide and it goes over the bar. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was just one of those times where it nestled in the bottom corner. But I'd, it was it was a weird one because although 2-0 down, I didn't think that we were that bad. I know we'd made mistakes and stuff, but I felt like the mistakes that we'd made were punished upon and that was that. Like we, we hadn't really done an awful lot wrong other than that. We, we were getting forward, I we weren't really creating many chances and stuff. We had a we had a half decent chance uh, from a it was from a long throw, I think. Was that right? Hamlin, yeah. right. Hamlin just completely misses it. Right? Yeah, and other than that, I can't really remember an awful lot of chances in the first half. Venti, I think, had a shot that was saved, but that, no, you know, that was near post, though. You. Blowing goals, can he? Yeah, I, I mean, I, England international, you need to be, you can't, you're not going to score for there. I don't think we'd done enough to be level at the break or be leading at the break, but I didn't think that we were terrible in the first half. But second half, I think it was a wee bit of a different story. Aye. What did you think, Sean? Coming, in, coming into the break, did you think that we could go out second half and maybe sneak a point? I thought that we would have maybe tweaked a few things personally um, and maybe asked some of the individuals to do different roles to try and get more out of Yuan and get more out of Boyle. Um, I did think he would have maybe just went with one up top um, and maybe brought Levitt on just to try and bring a, a, a creative midfielder on in there and then maybe just try and ask Boyle and Yuan to sit further up or at least one of them sit further up. Um, but again, that's him sacrificing his shape and his philosophy, which I don't think he'll do. I think it's more about what he learns from 
from the weekend. Um, you have both touched on mentality and things like that, and I'm not trying to compare Monte or Hibbs to to what I'm about to say, and, and Craig won't like it either, but um, Arteta Arsenal, when <laughs> he first came in, the whole giving the players the tools and the belief to be able to do what he thought that they would be able to do, the principles are very similar. What he's trying to do is similar. The shape's different, but fundamentally, a lot of it is similar, and it comes down to the mentality and the belief, and I didn't think that we were... Listen, I was happy with the, the team that he selected. Did I think we were going to get anything from Ibrox? I thought we maybe could have scraped a draw, but again, I feel like we would have needed everything to go right for us, and I didn't think we were going to get back into it in the second half. What I want from that at the weekend is the players and Monty to learn what they can and can't do at certain moments and matches. It's a little bit different doing it Easter Road against Celtic or Rangers, and I'm not saying that Celtic and Rangers is a free hit, but I feel like if we can try and instill the right level of belief and confidence in what we're trying to do, not only will it work against most of the other teams in the league where we could score two, three, four or five, it might then be able to work on a consistent basis against the old firm. The only issue with that is you're playing away, which is what Craig touched on about, you know, all the defenders and Marshall having so much touches, you're playing in a way where you want to bring the opposition onto you and then expose the gaps that they then leave in behind. And because you're playing a Celtic or a Rangers, that's a lot more difficult to do. We see it happen to them in Europe. So on the flip side, if we can get close to doing something like that and exposing old firm weaknesses on a consistent basis, which I think Monty might be able to get us to do, then we'll do it week in, week out against the other sides. So I think it is more a mentality side of things. Um, and the second half for me, like I said already, was more of a, a learning curve rather than anything else for Monty and his coaching staff rather than the squad. Mm. Johnson didn't learn like Johnson didn't learn a thing and what you're seeing as well Sean about mentality I mean we didn't want to be like Arteta because ultimately Arsenal bottled it and shot themselves however <laughs> um nah seriously like the, when you look at Hibs teams in the past right when you go oh we went to Ibrox Kim when we had like the Mowbray team and the Stubbs team and that and we went at them right that was back when so players like Scott Brown, Kevin Thompson, O'Connor, Riordan, they would get in those Celtic or Rangers teams. Even fairly recently, players like McGinn, um, Kevin, Nisbet. Kevin Nisbet, Ryan Porteous and all that, they would get into Celtic or Rangers team. Nobody in the team, nobody in the Hibs team gets in the Rangers team right now. No one. And that's, that's really what you have to acknowledge. The level of Quality that they've, I mean, the boy that they've brought off the bench, that Danilo, was £6 million in the summer. They're bringing somebody that's worth £6 million off the bench. Like, it's, we're just operating in a different, in a different fucking stratosphere for them. And because we'll see it this weekend when we play Celtic as well. Like, they'll line up with, with a team that probably cost about £10, £20 to assemble. So, it's all right having the mentality and the belief, but there's also a, a point where you need to be realistic and do realise that sometimes, depending on the state the clubs are in when you play them and depending on the state that we're in, sometimes it is a free hit. What's clouded a lot of people's thinking 
I think, especially towards Rangers, is how when we were in the Championship, we went toe-to-toe with them. And when we came up, we went toe-to-toe with them again. When realistically, they were a different game. animal now, though. Like but compared, they, to, they, compared to then, I mean, they had, like, most of their players were, like, ex, like, I mean, Jason Holt, Andy Halliday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. players that wouldn't look out of place in other teams throughout, throughout the division. Now, like so you say, they brought the boy Daniel the 6 million. But then, they weren't operating at the financial level that they're operating at now, that they've came, when they eventually got back up, they eventually won a league. And they've got back into Champions League. They got into that run to the Europa League final, etc. So they're now. It's like when they went, th- when they got their demotion and death in 2012. What they operated up until that point, versus um, up until maybe what 2018, you'd say that seven-year gap. Anybody could have a go at them. Whereas now they've just slowly but surely crept back up and. We're just you just need to acknowledge that sometimes they're just on a different level. And I think we'll see it um Saturday with with Celtic as well. Yeah, I mean, just touching back on a, a wee bit of what Sean said, um, about belief and stuff and learning uh, and using using that game as a learning curve. Do you think it benefits us, Sean, that we're playing Celtic so soon? that he is able to implement some of those learnings that he's taken from Saturday and take them into the next game? Or do you think it would have benefited us more to have you know, a couple of games against you know, your Motherwell, St Mirren's, Kilmarnock, something like that in between these games? It depends kind of how you look at it. On, on one side of the coin, you could say that you wouldn't want these big games coming so soon and a... Monty's tenure because then that could cloud some of the fans' judgment and players' judgment on what he's trying to implement. But then on the flip side, it allows him to play the toughest of tough tests, not only just get them out of the way, but learn himself about what you need to do to get close to these kind of sides and be better. That's why I was so confident. I know we didn't win, obviously, at Tynecastle, um, although some would say that we did based on our <laughs> celebrations. That's why I didn't have any doubt in my mind that we would get some level of a result at Tynecastle um, just because of the way that he wants to play against that type of side. It's obviously a different kettle mm-hmm. fish against the old firm and I get that and I respect that and I understand it. I just do feel like it would have been good if we were not only playing Celtic or Rangers separately with a couple of games in between, but they weren't coming so close. I know it's, I say so close, it's been like six weeks since he's been in the job or whatever. I mean like you know, another so couple of we another couple of weeks down the run, and because there's been a couple of international breaks. I mean, yeah, to play another couple of sides, so then the players themselves can We've see what we're trying to, to do on a, on a consistent basis as well. But like Craig said, he's he's got to deal with what he's got to deal with, um, and the tough tests don't come any tougher than Celtic, and then even then after that, we're away to Hamden. So That's huge, right. huge couple of games. Yeah, and, and we'll just touch on the third and fourth goals. Ross County in between that as well. Oh yeah, yeah we've got Ross County on a Tuesday night. Don't so we? it's a massive... I mean, and that, that's a big banana teams. skin as well. I mean, our, our results against Ross County at home recently have been quite streaky. Yeah. So it's it is, that's a, a big banana skin. I don't think people give Ross County the credit that they're due because of probably who their manager is, but they're, they are operating well above their means at the moment. 
I would say. But that's yeah. a that's a, a discussion for another podcast. We'll just quickly jump on to the third and fourth goals before we look ahead to next week and beyond. So the third goal, again, poor defending. It's a you know a good ball from Lammers through to Dessers, takes it around the goalie, and there's about four or five attempts before it finds the back of the net. Craig, why on earth haven't we cleared it? I'm going to be completely and utterly honest. I don't remember the third goal at all. I just remember the fourth goal. Sean, why haven't we cleared it? <laughs> Reoccurring theme throughout the whole match that defensively we just went up to the level that we need to uh, operate at to be able to compete against the old firm, unfortunately. Again, touches on the point I mentioned earlier on. Too many individuals not pulling their individual weight and then relying on others to, to bail them out. And unfortunately, it is what it is. But yeah. The fourth goal's a, a disgrace, in my opinion. Well, Craig, I'll talk to you about the fourth goal, anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know who it is out on the left-hand side um, for Rangers, on their left-hand side, sorry. Um, the ball's cut into Cantwell, who's unmarked in the middle of the park. And when you look at it back on the, on the highlights, as he's setting up to play that Scott Allen-esque reverse-through ball into Dessers in the middle of the, in the, middle of the box... Newell is busting a gut to get back. Where on earth has he been before? Was he doing the the tunnel having a pitch or something? Honestly, where was he? I don't know about Newell, but the issue for me is that folk are making out that this is, like you say, a Scott Allen fucking incredible through ball. It's not. See when you see the the replay from, I think it's like behind the goals, but zoomed in at the opposite end. All he does is faints. He literally does the slightest of faints. And it sounds rocky for a fucking hot dog. It does. <laughs> rocky, rocky, and fish are offski at that slight movement. And then it's was it Dessers that scored the fourth one? Dessers, yeah. Yeah, and Dessers is left completely unmarked in the box. For me, that, but that's because that, Rocky's been sucked over with that faint from Campbell though. Aye, but it's, but Rocky's playing left centre half. He's came on for Hanlon at that point, and it's just I just think at that. That to me, in instances, sums up why Rocky isn't the isn't a defender that we need to take us to the next level. If he's being sold that hard by such a simple, like I say, it's not as if fucking Campbell's done a Kanchelska stood on the ball and reboned it over the defence. He's fucking. He's went good, like, it's a good ball. But... I but he's went like that. All he's done is shifted his weight onto his right shoulder, and it's not. It's, even a, a, good it's ball a good because... ball made better because of the positioning of our centre halves. Aye, but the ball's not even like the Scott Allen one against Rangers. If you Rangers. want to use that one as an example, right? The Horgan one. He literally cuts out about six or seven bodies for the middle of the park with a pass. Yeah, Campbell's passed it five, ten yards. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's the biggest part is Rocky. Just the ball goes that way, and Rocky's like, "Fuck this, I'm away." The fact that people are saying that about the past, I mean, that's not really what we are here to talk about. We are here to talk about Hibs and the bottom line is that we were at at sixes and sevens. But, Sean, did it look like when they were coming forward for that fourth goal that the players had just down tools and they they weren't really looking at arsed? I wouldn't go as far as down tools and not looking arsed. However, 
I was really concerned about the level of performance as the second half went on. It just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. And every time um, they were on the attack, it looked like we were defensively short and it looked like they could get in behind. And sometimes it was you know, 3v2 against us, 2v1 against us. Um, yeah, it was it was worrying. And again, it just goes back to the reoccurring theme on tonight's episode, just defensive positioning and, you know, defensive as a whole. It was just all over the shop. You can exactly. what it's like, though. Like, when you say about the players down in tools and not looking up, you can what it's like being in that corner when the result's going like that and you're like, get, fucking blow the whistle and get me the fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. home. The players would be thinking the same. Like it wouldn't be like in a in a in a environment like that. Like that's getting pumped three nothing. Then fucking coming forward looking for another one, looking for another one. Isn't a great place to be. But it still doesn't excuse the lack of concentration for the for the fourth goal. But then again, if if that happens at one nil, if that's the goal to go one nil up, you're maybe fucking absolutely fuming. Whereas this one to go for it to go for it's not as bad. Yeah, no, I, but, I, I agree. It's all circumstantial. Still, like, the, the defensive awareness and just uh, it's just I think every single goal you can attribute to it being some form of some form of it being piss poor for us. And again, that's probably the nippy thing is that when you look at the the two games in isolation because we spoke about Hearts and Rangers, there's been one goal that you went fuck me and that was Forest goal. Yeah, because that's a goal out of nothing that's been hit perfectly and has flown into the back of the net. Every other goal that's been conceded and across those four, across the other five, for me, avoidable. Avoidable. Maybe, maybe. Again, I don't know if I'm being too harsh on Marshall. I mean, maybe no avoidable, but, but we could have done better. Yeah, it's come from us giving it rather than the opposition absolutely slicing us open or hitting a fucking forty-yard wonder strike that's uh, flown. You're right, and it leads me on to the next question: Is what do we need to upgrade in January? Ten and a half is a must. Yeah, I think that, and depending on what happens with Marshall and Wallacott, like I want us to have a big. I just I want us to get a big bastard goalie, like a big horrible cunt of a keeper. Not kind of like McGregor, but no as mental as him because he's just another level. It's a Some shame people, Boric is as young as he is because he would definitely be that guy yeah, if I he was good enough. Need the defence, I think a, a keeper needs confidence in his defence, but also a defence needs confidence in their goalie. And I don't think either have that in each other. So whether it's a big bastard centre half or a big bastard keeper or two big bastards, we just need, we need something in there with a bit of a bit of authority. Like, the defence, to me, comes across as guys that you'd love your daughter to bring home for tea. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like to be fair, I mean, when we spoke to Lewis Miller, I wouldn't have mind Lewis. I mean, maybe not right now, because she's only one and a half, but um, <laughs> <laughs> if she was Lewis Miller's age, I wouldn't have mind, I wouldn't have mind Lewis but Miller. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's nothing about them that makes you... There's nothing about them for me that a centre, like a centre forward would think, fucking hell, I don't really want to be going near him today. Well, when when was the last time we had a centre half that gave off that vibe? McGregor. This is it. We've not had McGregor in the team for 
well, he, he started a fair bit in the COVID season, so what, three years? McGregor, Porteous, David Gray. I think all the recruitment that we need to do, for me, is down the defensive route. I feel like other than maybe a creative 10-like midfielder, which even then, do we really need it if we've got so much going forward in attack and the way we've that Monty's going to play? Well. No, exactly. as well for me. Um, I think we, we need we need depth in the wider areas. I, I'll agree with that aspect of it. Um, but the rest of it is all defensive for me. There's we're, we're lacking so much. Yeah. And I and I know obviously Cadden's injured, and then you've got Stevenson. Um, yeah. For me, any recruitment that we need to do, let's just try and back five, back six. If you want to include a Newell slash Jago position in there, and for me, they also need to be starters. Yeah, we don't need squad players. I was literally no, just yeah. about to say that, Sean. Like, we're no squad depth wise, we're not big enough to be saying to players, oh, can you can come in and fill a gap? What, regardless of what position it is we've got coming in, they need to be better than what's in that position already. Yep. Like, which is why, why we need the improvement. Completely yeah. agree. Yep. No, I think that's that's fair to say. And I, I mean, I know we got went and got Riley Harbottle in the summer, but. We were screaming out for a centre half for the longest time during the transfer window, and it never came. I really Harbottle, but you know what's he played? What fifteen minutes of Premiership football since he I joined? Back against Livingston and got fucking smoked to smoked to pieces. This is it. You know what I mean? Every so, time I've seen him, he's not looked great. Unfortunately, uh, Blackpool. Uh, we've seen him in Blackpool, and he wasn't he? the only one that you could say that in that sort of spectrum that's. That could come in and make an improvement would be Megwa. I wouldn't be surprised if Megwa came back from Airdrie in January. Mm, yeah, got man of the match the other day. Yeah, at Airdrie. Um, yeah, so I think I think we're all kind of in agreement that it's got to be defensive areas that we need to strengthen as a priority when January rolls around. Obviously, before January rolls around, we've got a big game on Saturday. Craig is is it damage limitation already? No one uh, was seeing what Celtic did to Hearts yesterday. I don't think so because a lot of our squad played them at the end of last season when we beat them. So, ah, he's a different manager and all that. Obviously, his lordship is now at uh, Tottenham, and I'm only saying that because I support Spurs before anybody fucking jumps on that. <laughs> um. But I, it's, it's definitely not damage limitation. I think playing either one of them away is a completely different challenge to be playing either one of them at home. And also, I don't think Rodgers' record at Easter Road is that good. I don't think it was very good. I'd, like, and that's I'm not had too to, sure if he won his, here in the league. Yeah, I don't think his team that he's got now is better than the team that he had back then. But then likewise, the team that we've got now isn't anywhere near the level of the team that we had back yeah. then. Um, but we've just, we've always got a chance at home um, as long as you try and, you just need to try and keep, it depends like Maeda seems to never play well again, until it's against us um, Yogo is fucking I mean you seen what he done yesterday at Tynecastle like that's every time you think he's losing a bit of form he just finds it again eh? yeah um, obviously somebody like O'Reilly is going to be need to keep an eye on him because he's been playing well for them but nah I don't think it's damage limitation at all I think if Montgomery can drill it into the players that he'd done it last season with largely a lot of the same players you can do it again on Saturday so no not damage limitation for me 
Will be you, Sean? No, I completely, yeah, completely echo what what Craig's just said. I think playing, I said it earlier on, playing an old firm at home, there's there's something a little bit different about it naturally, um, with us being at home and everything that comes with that. Um, a Saturday three o'clock as well. I think if we can keep Matt O'Reilly quiet, I think we'll get something for the game. I know, obviously, Celtic have. Ten other players in the park and another seven or eight on the bench that could get in our starting eleven. But um, the way that Matt O'Reilly's playing at the moment, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so if we can try and nullify his threat, then we'll then we'll do just fine. I think uh, it will be a tough ask, of course. Um, but as Craig's already alluded to, the vast majority of that squad um, beat Celtic at the end of the season, and towards the end of that game, at the end of the season, it was turning into a bit of a pumping. So. They were Let's down to 10 men, can, though, Yeah, Maeda got sent off, which I was going to jump in after what Craig said about Maeda. But, um, yeah, well, we'll see. I think it'll be a tough test again. Um, it'll be a good indication to see how we respond to the weekend's weekend's defeat. I think, no, I think you're right. And just going back to what we were chatting about earlier on, about it being so close in the learning curve and stuff, I think it is a positive that we're coming into this game so quickly. Because it gives Monty the chance to go, right, well, this didn't work <clears throat> on Saturday. Let's try something a little bit different. And then again, if it doesn't work again, but we've had we've had a bit more of a go at them. And, you know, it, we've turned up and we've given them, I mean, we, we've went toe-to-toe or tried to go toe-to-toe with them. And in the end, their quality has just overrun us. Then I don't think there's an awful lot as Hibs fans we can really complain about. No. Um, Obviously, you you want you want the three points every single week, but realistically, that's not going to happen. Um, to be fair, I though, think... we are getting into territory where if we want to be looking upwards, we do need to start picking up points. We do, like, but I like think... I said, the league the league isn't looking great now. I mean, we've got nine points for nine games. I think I mean, it works in our favour though as well. Yeah. Back to the same point I was mentioning earlier on about when you do want to play the old firm and Monty coming in and stuff like that. If we get these fixtures out the road and either the squad learn for their mistakes or the coaching staff learn for their mistakes or we grow as a squad um, from a belief perspective as well, you're then playing Ross County and then you've then got, obviously, the semi-final as well. So there's matches on the horizon to make things right for the better. And then the fact that we've played Rangers already, potentially if we were to beat Aberdeen and then get them in the final, will have potentially again... Again, it's all hypotheticals, learning from these mistakes. And not only then in the league, we'll then have a runny fixtures of what would be deemed as winnable games. And then we can really get momentum going when there's other teams in the league other than Hearts that will be playing Celtic and Rangers soon. Well, our next four league games, right? So we've got Ross County at home, St Mirren away, Kilmarnock at home, Dundee away. That's the next four league games after Saturday. I mean, we, we should be looking at that and going... We should be getting 12 out of 12, really. We should. In theory, we should. But in, in theory, low. we should. We said this, we said this last season, didn't we? There's that there was a, a period of winnable games that would have fired us right up the table. I don't think we won one of them. Like there's, but then when we got into the top six, we ended up with more points than what we thought we would have. Yeah. So it's... Aye, there's loads of variables going into the game, obviously. Swings and roundabouts, mate. This is it. We win on and, Saturday. How does that then affect the mindset and preparation for Ross County? 
if we lose against Ross County, how does that affect preparation for the semi-final? Win, win or lose the semi-final, how do they bounce back or how do they keep the momentum going? It's just, I just think taking it one game at a time, but we are looking at the point where we, we do need to start picking up points. And I think we need to be looking at coming away for Saturday unbeaten. Right, I think that's a, a great time to be one of listener questions, don't you? Now it's time to enter the hip ramble listener questions. John McIntosh is always will go first. Why are you Huns? Huns. Your pressure. That is finest. And yeah. what's for dinner? So Craig, why um, are you a hun and what is for dinner? Do you want me to go first, Craig? Uh, you go yeah, you go then. first, Sean. Um, so I would just like to go on record and clarify that in, under no circumstances and in any world, other than for a year in 2015 when I was coaching there, I, am, oh. I have never been and never will be one of them. Um, and congrats to the Twitter page that done a fantastic job of heavily editing said video to include me in the mess that you three got yourselves into at the weekend. Oh, uh, I, I don't, uh, why would the crows get shot with the crows? Yeah, sure. Apparently, apparently. So there's a few people that wouldn't have let that go. Um, as for what's for dinner, um, I'm not having pie and mash shaped with the king's head or anything like that. Um, I, I'm having something uh, international, as the two of you will probably not be surprised to know. I'm having a Korean barbecue, which I am tremendously looking forward to, and I cannot wait. You've had a wee bit of time to think about it now and I need an answer from you. Why are you a hun and what's for dinner? Well, as Sean just mentioned, the heavily edited clip, I did say at the end um, the correct answer is neither. So That wasn't shown in the clip though, Craig. I would just like to go on record as saying that unlike Sean, who's clearly wore the gear, I have never worn the gear. Yeah, neither really gear. And I listen, it was a out of context bit of patter between the four of us that got wildly um wildly taken out of context. I do we do appreciate some of the patter that we've had. Um some of the other patter has been a bit shite, if I'm being honest. Just it just goes to show, like obviously we've already mentioned that it was heavily edited. Like I find it hilarious that you can still hear my wow in the video, but like Craig said, his bit at the end's cut out. And then my two bits where I slate you and then slate Mark and you again are both edited out. So it just goes to show how quickly people can jump on things on social media and, and run with it. I think if anyone had any level of interest in the whole situation, if they'd watched the actual episode or listened to it online, they would have heard the, not necessarily the context to it, but the other responses rather than you know jumping on it and banding together like they did to have us executed yep. Bye. well just as well we've not got any other questions about it <laughs> yeah, i'm kidding for tea i'm having a full british a uh, full english oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm <laughs> actually having um the dangerous fans that are listening obviously because there'll be loads of them now uh listening will not be happy to hear that i am going with a traditional Scottish dinner. Yep, Scottish, because we're Scottish, not British. Haggis, neeps and ties for me. Yeah, just, in, just um, for any Rangers fans that are listening, 
we do actually fucking despise you. Let's yeah, not be, no, fucking let's not Rangers. beat around the bush, like, and we're not. This isn't a oh, we need to make out that we hate Rangers because nah, nah, we do. Like, we really do. Like last week was tongue in cheek. We actually fucking hate you. Yeah, no, we we do hate you, and you are the scum of the earth. So, cheers. Yeah. Um, next up, Hibernian Lone Watch, shite game. Couple of toe tappers though. <laughs> Had my telly turned up at 100 for them coming out the tunnel, it was quality. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Better know um, that, yeah. Uh, I tell you what, two. right? It, it's funny that it, it, everything that was said, that's <laughs> the one that's been picked up on the most, and that was the least part that could have been picked up on. I like that Rangers fans felt that your comment about them being mental was a compliment. Because yeah, again, the, the beginning has been cut out. It's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, the fact I said that Celtic fans are just strange, whereas Rangers fans are batshit mental, as in, like, they're all fucking... They kept Mark's commenting, though, about Celtic fans stinking. Yeah. Now, that was pretty funny. See, it was also like, all us going, oh, aye, aye, simply this, this, that, and the next thing. And then Mark just went, Celtic fans stink. <laughs> he said it was such venom. Oh... But I want to. Mark informed us that there, the, the, there wasn't a lot of toe tapping in the in the corner. Let's just say. No, there was nothing really to be toe tapping about really on Saturday, was there? Yeah, listen. At least I never said there was the marching band feet. Fuck me, I'd have been hung down in quarters <laughs> for that. <laughs> and rightly so as well. Yeah, exactly. So. Rightly so. Um, next up, Fattest Prickus says, and I think we could probably compile this between the three of us. What are the top 10 jukebox songs in history? Simply the best number one. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's be serious. If we're, he's if done we're it again. <laughs> if he's we're done compiling a list of 10. Fucking little bastard. <laughs> if we're compiling nah, a list um, of 10. Well, we'll, we'll give each other three each and then Sean, spare us the BTS and fucking... Well, no, nah, it's just jukebox no, that when you go on there. However, the jukebox selections that get put on when I'm with my mates, I can't and will not repeat, um, and probably can't or will get another version of what happened last week. So I won't mention any of them. I would probably if you had, pick, to, pick, if you had to pick three songs, let's pick three each. If I was, it's Penny tough. Arcade, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> I would have um, I'd have Free from Desire in there because I feel like that gets everybody going nowadays. Mm. Um, I feel like I would maybe chuck a Stone Roses one in there. Um, Stone Roses. Oh, I saw them at Hamden. Brilliant. That Stone Roses one. I would. I would. My favourite's Fool's Gold, but I think you would just go safe with um, I want to be adored. So that would be two of my picks. And then either I would go maybe Cortinas or something, Arctic Monkeys. If it was me picking it, it would probably be Arctic Monkeys for the AM album. Get your leather jacket and all that. I don't have the cliff anymore, so. Three jukebox songs. I think after last week, we'll definitely not be picking Drake. No. Definitely. Yeah, we should have fucking went for Drake. That would have been a lot less backlash than what we got. Um, you can't me, mate. My taste in music's absolutely horrendous. Um, 
So I'd probably need to go, I don't know, jukebox, something. I'll be, I'll go, I'll go very generic. I'll go Oasis. Um, Oasis Live Forever would be a good one, I think, on the jukebox. Little by little for me, I think little by little is my mm. favourite Oasis. It's a bit depressing for the jukebox song. What, little by little? Little by little. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story about the jukebox. See, no, for the semi-final. I've still got two songs to go. Right, um, okay. We'll go a wee bit upbeat tempo. We'll go Calvin Harris Miracle. And for the final one, we will go um, Eminem Stan. Why? On the jukebox? Wow. Why? Because fuck knows that's why. Yeah, I'm not too sure I would be Why? Because Eminem fuck knows that's why. Um, aye, so before I tell you my picks, when me and Mark went to the semi-final against Rangers when we won 3-1 a couple of years ago, we went into, it was just after um, Easy On Me by Adele came out, right? And we got into this uh, bowling club or whatever we were. There was a jukebox and <laughs> we got all our change together. It was like five or six quid and change put it all in the jukebox and we just put Easy On Me by Adele on about 20 times. And it just kept coming on and on. And every time it came on, someone was like, fucking hell, man, know this again, fuck sake. Because, like, before it was, like, Proclaimers and all that, we just put a tail on three times. It's fucking shite, Pat. But I tell you what, it's funny at the time. Do you know what? Like, I'm hoping that we can all travel to the game against Aberdeen together, because that sounds like part that I'd love to be involved in, like, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty funny at the time. Yeah, looking back on it and looking at Sean's face, I mean, Sean didn't look very impressed there, so... Um, I'm just glad I will not be travelling with you to the semi-final if that's what I'm having to put up with. <laughs> but for me, three songs on the jukebox. I would go for Come On Eileen. I like a bit of Come On Eileen. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with um, Disco Land as well. That's a toe tapper. And what is my final tune going to be? Final tune, actually, final tune in in memory of in memory of and what's the word I'm looking for? For Lewis Miller, we'll we'll put on uh, "Losing It" by Fisher. We'll have that one. And what's our tenth one going to be? Our tenth one can be "Sunshine Leaf." Next up, it's a a message from Jack Gillis from Strong Opinion Hibs. And he says, with Wallacott returning to the squad, are Marshall's days as our starting keeper numbered? Hope so. As long as he can perform up to standard, then I, I don't see why not. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, next up, Harvey Scott, was Liam Belton out simply the best in Real Britannia after the game on Saturday? No, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't at the game, unfortunately. I couldn't get a ticket. Um Sell out so in the home end. Eh? Sell out in the home end. Aye, I was uh, I was asking Alexa to play all the play all the tunes. Next up, we've got a question from Haley, and we're going to touch on this um, throughout the main portion of the episode. But we thought we would just have a wee chat about it because um, we knew that we would get some some questions about it. So she says, obviously, do not condone the vandalism or anything. It's sickening, and now tars us all under the same brush. However. Can we find out when mocking our late owner's death and singing sectarian bile is going to be treated with the same distaste from officials? At the end of the day, 
I mean, we condemn what has happened in the Hibs end, and you condemn, you know, see, yeah, you, know, the you, know, you, you can't condone what's down. what's been said from the other side as well. So, you know, it's it's fighting fire with fire, and you know, it's 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 just like it's always happens that if it's another team against the old form, particularly Rangers, that it's always highlighted rather than the other way around, you know, when they've been getting getting away with it for decades. But let's move on from that. Next up, we've got Home of Hibs, and they ask, were you guys supporting Hibs or Rangers today, just looking to clear things up? Who were you supporting, Craig? On Saturday, I was I was supporting whatever team was winning. Nah, as I've said, we fucking, as I said earlier on, we fucking despise them. Yeah, so, we hate Rangers. Yeah. Um, next up, wasn't watching the game, thankfully. This is from Rudy. Wasn't watching the game, thankfully. Apparently, everyone was shite, but Whitaker and Levitt looked promising when they came on. Also, my respect for Mark and Liam has gone down <laughs> massively after saying they like Rangers more than Celtic. Now, I didn't say I liked Rangers more than Celtic. I didn't say I liked either of them. I said that I preferred Ibrox to Parkhead. That's all I said. That's all I said. Please, someone defend me. <laughs> no, because me and Sean, well, Sean was just as bad because he said the other one straight away like that, but I did say neither. So Yeah, true. Um, next up, we've got fuck's sake another one <laughs> um, this is from Peter Keenan and he asks the big one we all want to know is did you enjoy Simply the Best on Saturday <laughs> sorry I couldn't resist <laughs> well, Simply the Worst am I right <laughs> Kim, am Simply the Worst and to wrap us up from Twitter we've got the Half Monte asking Apart from shite interview garbage, would Johnson have done any worse over the last six weeks? Yes. I, I think could so not believe that question when I seen it. Could not believe it. I'll so therefore, the I think he would obviously then. do worse. What was that, Craig? I'll let you take the reins on this one. I don't know where to start with it, if I'm honest. And I think to even... Don't even know if they're trying to insinuate that he would have done better and they're not happy with Monty, or if they're just asking the question for question's sake. But the side that the side that Lee Johnston would have put out at the weekend would have been a lot more defensive. Would it have been a closer test, maybe, and result at the end? However, we would have still been then asking for his head, we would have been asking for him to get sacked, we would have been moaning that Hanley was starting, we would have been moaning that Jago was starting, and it would have just been a vicious cycle as it was towards the end of his tenure. The benefit that we have now is from the vast majority of the support that I've seen so far, I don't, other than the weekend, a couple of idiots, I've not saw any criticism of what Monty is trying to do or his team selection or where he's trying to take the club. You're never going to be able to please anyone. That just goes to show like, it doesn't matter what your opinion is on anything, someone's going to be unhappy. I think from where we are at the moment and everything that we've already said on this episode, it just goes to show that 
if Lee Johnson was in charge and we'd had the defeat that we'd had, the level of conversation that we'd be having now is completely different. Completely different because of the style and everything that he was, he claims he was trying to bring to the club. The difference that Monty has got is it is clear what he's trying to do and it's clear what his philosophy is and it's clear what he's where he's trying to take the club. So if you aren't already on the Monty train, then fucking hell, get your arse on it because I do firmly believe you'll be taking us somewhere. Station. And we do, it's left the station, mate. It is left. You need to catch up. Catch up and get on. <laughs> and that leads us on really nicely, actually, to um, the question that we got from Instagram this week. Remember, we we pop up our um, listener question request on Instagram as well. So if you've if you only follow us on Instagram and you want to get involved with what we chat about in this section of the podcast and make sure to keep an eye on our stories because we pop them up after every game um, asking for your questions. And Nige has said um, a lot of the points that we've actually made so far um, this episode about uh, a disappointing performance, about the 4 4 there's no plan B. But the main point that I'm taking out of his comment is he says, I'm sure Monty will already be thinking about bringing in his own players, but I'm hoping he has a plan B because a worry will become too predictable. And it kind of touches on what we said about earlier on about having an alternative plan, a plan B, whatever you want to call it. But do you think we are starting to become quite predictable at the moment, Craig? No, because we're still really early in. And there is going to come a point in time we are... Boyle or Yuan are missing, or Jago or Newell are missing, so it is going to have to change slightly. I mean, you see it with... I wouldn't be adverse to... I know Jago's been brilliant under Montgomery, but in the games that we're expected to have more of the ball, to have Levitt in, because, I mean, when he came on on Saturday, his first touch, he absolutely pinged it to the back post. I think it was at Miller coming in at the back. I think we won a corner yeah. off it. Mm-hmm. That was his first involvement. Um his involvement at Tynecastle was really positive as well. So aye, I think there will be there will become a time where we do see some adjustments to the style, but I don't think we're at the stage of being being too predictable yet. Because I don't even think Montgomery's fully got his whole ideals across to the squad yet. Because it's only what's five, six weeks in, if that. Yeah. I agree. You got anything to add, Sean, before we move on to fantasy football? Uh, no, I completely agree with what Craig said. I think people that aren't aware of, obviously, Monty won't be aware that when he took over it, the Mariners, they were classed as the worst-run club, not just football club, just sports club in general across all the sports in Australia, the worst-run club in Australia. And he took them with the beliefs that he's got now to where he left them in regards to winning the, the grand final. So you don't get predictable by doing that. He will have different variations of his plan and they all he'll mix in between them, but at the moment he's not, other than maybe obviously Rangers, where it's not worked, he's not necessarily needed those other variations of that plan. So, yeah, given time, we'll be fine. Nice one. Right, we'll quickly touch on fantasy football before we end the episode. Okay, so game week nine, there has been no change at the top of the table. It still remains Dan Taylor's McGinn and Tonic Picking up 49 points this game week, taking him to 540 overall. Um, 
not 25. 15 points clear of second place, moving up three places into the top five. Um, moving it up into the top five this week, replacing Hybees for Europe in second place is Sunny 11. And uh, they've picked up 71 points this game week, taking them to 525 points in second. Third is Tim Odds, 16, moving up one place in 507 points. Fourth, moving down one place, but still remaining in the top five is what's the story? Ross McCrory with 506 points. I can't talk tonight. And completing the top five is Icarumba Umba Chumba FC. I'm getting a lot better at saying that. <laughs> right, so no one actually cares or listen to any of the top five that you just said. Everyone just wants to know where us four are at and who's top of that table. Well, I, I was just wanting to tell you because we're obviously doing prizes at the end of the season for who finishes in the top five. But I'll tell you exactly where we all are. Um, Mark's okay. absolutely stinking the gaff out of the bottom, bottom of the table. I think I'm pretty far down the table as well. I am... 62nd, moving down two spots from last week, which is pretty shite. Um, I don't know what your guys' teams' names are. Craig, what's still waiting, Liam. I'm still waiting. I've not, I've not actually found. Oh, Viva La Ramble, that's your one, Craig, isn't it? Yeah. So you're 51st. Way five one. Way never let them forget. Um, Lead 7 FC Oh that's my dad I'm not going to talk about him um, Sean what's your team's name again? Lead 7 clothing Sitting in 11th Sitting in 11th? 11th? Yeah Up 4 places from last week You tried to spin us the shit You didn't even play fantasy football uh, No I play fantasy football But I just don't play the Scottish one I play the f- I've, I think in the last 6 years With my mates I think I've won 4 He's captained captain O'Reilly and vice-captained Kyogo yesterday as well. He's a fucking try-hard, by the way. To be fair, I... Try-hard. He, he went to me, oh, yeah, I don't even touch the team. And then I said to him, I was like, oh, you didn't touch the team, eh? He was like, yeah, actually, I, I touch the team every week. He says yeah. he doesn't play the fucking fantasy football. Of course he plays it. Kyogo's yeah. been my captain since the start, I think. Kyogo's been my captain. I, I, I think I could be wrong. On the Scottish football one, I think I seen a tweet from the account saying that it doesn't actually matter if you captain the striker because they get the same amount of points if they're rice. So you're actually better captain in the defender or the midfielder. I could be wrong. Yeah, of course. But with the, Scot- well, with the Scottish one, I think he doesn't play that's it, does he? He doesn't like, play it, but he just kens all the ins and outs. Goes, Sean goes to sleep liar. reading the fucking FAQs of the fantasy football app. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> baby. <laughs> well, you don't get any prizes for for finishing top of yeah. uh, of the ramble. Anyway, we will wrap up there. Um, so, thanks a lot for joining us in the last hour and a bit. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, boys. What is off to do now? It's grand. Good lad. Putting myself in a fucking dark hole. Well, we love you, Craig. And, and put, a pair of headphones, put a pair of headphones on and have Tina turn her on the peak. <laughs> right, well, whatever you get up to this week, have a good one and we will catch you next time. See you later. See ya. Ciao. Let's get ready to rumble.